0: You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. I remember reading this story not long ago about a lady who says I had a meeting at a local hotel. And so when the meetings were over, I'm running back to uh, leave and I can't find my keys. They're not in my pockets. And so I go back to the meeting room thinking maybe I left them in the room, but they weren't there. And so finally I realized, oh no, I probably left them in the ignition of the car. She said, my husband really gets after me for doing that. We argue about that. I tell him it's the best place not to lose your keys. If you just leave them in the ignition, you always know where they are. His theory is your car is going to get stolen one of these days. And she says, after walking through that parking lot, I realized that his theory was probably more sound than my theory. And so I made a difficult phone call. I called the police and explained where my location was. And confessed that I'd left my keys in the ignition and somebody had stolen my car and I needed to report it stolen. And so it probably took me a good half hour before I worked up the energy to call my husband. I called a friend and asked her how she thought I should drop the news to him. And then I called another friend and asked her what she thought I should say. And finally I just swallowed hard and I picked up the phone and I made the call. And I said, honey, I have to confess to you. I left the keys in the car. In the parking lot at the hotel where I had meetings this morning and somebody has stolen the car. I reported it to police. That's all I know to do. And she says there was silence on the line. So much silence that at one point I wondered to myself if maybe the call had been dropped. And finally he says to me, are you kidding me? I dropped you off at that meeting this morning. And so she said, well, then come and pick me up. (laughs) And he said, I will. As soon as I can convince this nice policeman that I haven't stolen your car. (laughs) It reminds me of uh, my friends John and Marilyn who live in Nashville. And one day Marilyn calls John and she says... Hey, John, do you have lunch plans? And he says, No. And she says, What if I came to the Chili's by your office and met you there because I have a hair appointment right after lunch? And he says, Sure, I'll meet you, Marilyn, at Chili's for lunch. And so, so they did. And so after lunch, Marilyn says, John, I hate to ask you this, but, but uh, what if we went out and got in the car and what if you sat there with me for 10 minutes while I take a nap and then you can wake me up? I really need a nap. He said, okay. So they go out and they get in the Lexus, and she goes to sleep. And in 10 minutes, John nudges her and said, Marilyn, it's time to wake up. It's been 10 minutes. You got to go get your hair fixed and I got to go to work. And she said, I was waking up and I looked over as I was kind of looking for the door handle. And I looked in the side pocket and there was a phone and I picked the phone out and I said, John, did you get a new phone? And John said, that's not my phone. And they said, we started looking around in the car and we said, this isn't our car. And so we jumped out of the car really fast and we started looking all over the parking lot for our car. Come to find out he had driven the truck and I'd driven the Toyota. We didn't even drive the Lexus that day. So it's kind of funny stuff. Some, sometimes, sometimes we do crazy things in life, don't we? Sometimes we, we make mistakes. Sometimes we're not thinking. Sometimes we mess up. Sometimes we blow it. Sometimes, sometimes it's much more severe than just forgetting which car you drove or even forgetting if you drove a car that day. Sometimes in life, we blow it. Sometimes we fail. Sometimes we mess up so bad that we're mad at ourselves. But the failure I want to talk to you about this morning is failure in a whole other category. So what about those times in our lives when we fail God? What about those times in our lives when we think to ourselves, not only have I hurt my family, or not only have I hurt my kids, or not only have I hurt people that love me, but this time I've offended the heart of God. So I'm going to say a lot of stuff in these next few minutes, okay? But I'm going to say some really important stuff right now. And so you might want to lean in. I don't want you to miss it, okay? Because when you leave today, I want you to be able to say to anybody that you come into contact, this is what the pastor said this morning in the sermon, okay? Everybody, everybody, everybody. Are you listening to me? Everybody. Everybody has felt God. Here's the way the Bible says it. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everybody has felt God at some point in their lives. And here's the really good news. Everybody. Everybody. Can be forgiven. So we're starting a series today called um, The Resurrection Changes Everything. At some point in your life, you're going to face failure. You're going to wake up one morning and you're going to stare at the ceiling and you're going to say, I blew it. I've messed up. I fell really short. At some point in your life, you're going to struggle with doubt. I'm not trying to be arrogant, God. I'm not trying to act like I have all the answers. I'm not trying to question. I just sometimes wonder, how do you know what's truth? At some point in your life, you're going to face disappointment. At some point, you're going to feel hopeless. And so I'm hoping this morning, somebody is saying, Hey, Rick, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to come all three of these sermons, all three of the sermons in this series, and I'm going to face and confront life's most challenging issues, doubt and failure and disappointment. So let me take you this morning to the book of Mark, okay? The Gospel of Mark. You want to grab a Bible and open it up to the Gospel of Mark? If you go to the New Testament... It is Matthew, and then the second book is Mark, okay? The book of Mark was written by a guy whose name was what? John Mark. That is correct. He is referred to in the Scripture as John, who is also called Mark. So listen to this. You're going to love this. John Mark was an associate of a guy whose name was Simon Peter. You listening? Here's the deal. He listened to Simon Peter teach, and he listened to him preach all of the time. And finally... He comes to a point of his life being so fascinated with this Jesus that Simon Peter preached and taught about that he said, I'm going to write down everything that I can recall that Simon Peter said about Jesus. And that's how we get the Gospel of Mark. Okay, so let's go to chapter 16, the very last chapter, and we'll start reading with verse 1. Here's what has happened. Jesus has spent three years preaching and teaching and healing. He has been falsely accused... He has been arrested and he has been crucified on a cross and on that cross he died. He has been buried in a tomb and that brings us to chapter 16. And so here is the word of God. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome bought spices so they might go and anoint Jesus' body. And so, very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man. He was dressed in a white robe. And he was sitting on the right side. And they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they have laid him. But go and tell his disciples and Peter. Doesn't that sound redundant to you? That he would say, go and tell his disciples and Peter. Because when I looked at the list of disciples, Peter was in the list. So why does he just say, go tell the disciples? But he clearly doesn't say it. Look at the screen. What he says is, go tell his disciples and Peter. So why does he say, go tell his disciples and Peter, if Peter is one of the disciples? What's the point? Go tell his disciples and Peter he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And so trembling and bewildered, the women went and fled from the tomb. And they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. But later, obviously, as Matthew tells us, they told everyone. Uh, Annette and I are at the age that we have lots of friends our age who are having grandchildren. And so when we're around them, we hear a lot about their grandchildren. Um, Interestingly... Almost every one of our friends who has a grandchild has a grandchild that is above average in many ways. And so Annette and I are very excited because at the end of June, our oldest daughter, Brittany, is expecting to give birth to a little girl. And so I say to Britt, Britt, I mean, if it's a little girl, name her Ricky. I mean, like Ricky Lake, you know, I mean, that's a great name for a little girl. And Brittany says, Dad, it's not happening. So she's thinking about naming her Sadie. So Annette and I think a lot about this little girl that we may call Sadie one day. And coming into the world as this little baby, there's so much she needs to know, right? Well, in light of that, I saw something the other day that I loved. And I wanted to show you because I think you will love it. And it's a letter to a little baby on their first day into the world. I'm confident you're going to love it.
1: It's a lot that the kids need to know. A letter to a person on their first day here. Today, over 360,000 babies will be born, and you are one of them. Welcome, this is the world. It's a pretty cool place. There's lots to see, smell, there's corn dogs. Ah, I'm getting ahead of myself. There's just so much to do. Singing. Dancing. Oh, and laughing. It's the best. It's especially great when when you laugh and milk comes out of your nose. But only if you just have milk. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just gross. Some days, gross things will happen. Some days, awesome things will happen. Some days, you'll get ice cream. Some days, you won't. Some days, your kite will fly high. Some days, you get stuck in the tree. It's just how it is here. There's plenty of reasons to dance. You just got to look for them worry though you won't be doing this alone you're going to meet lots of people here some of them will be really nice and some won't be it's not that they can't be it's just maybe they're just having a bad day being a person is hard sometimes you should give people high fives just for getting out of bed oh high fives i forgot to explain that how do i explain this um it's kind of high fives are like hitting someone who is your friend uh That's really bad. Just treat everybody like it's their birthday, even if they don't deserve it. Because we all mess up sometimes. The biggest mess up, not forgiving each other's mess ups. Maybe you will be a teacher. Maybe you will be president. Maybe you will cure every disease ever. You might even see the Grand Canyon swim in the ocean. Oh, this is so, so much. It's a lot. (laughs) Try this, take a breath. amazing, it's called breathing. You're going to do it a lot, but nobody knows exactly how much. So enjoy it. Pay attention. Take brain pictures. Because amazing things will happen every day. You're going to do so much. But it's not about what you do. It's about who you are. And you, you're awesome. You're made that way. You're made from love, to be love, to spread love. Love is always louder, no matter what. Even if hate has a bullhorn, love is louder. Let your life be loud. Let's shout to the world. Things can be better. It's okay about all the mess ups. We're not drunk. I'm sorry, I'm just keep bringing that up. I don't think I told you this yet. We're really glad you're here. We don't say that enough to each other here because, well, life gets busy. You're gonna be important and you're gonna do a lot and you're gonna smell great, but don't get too busy. Remember to let everybody know you're glad they're here. You don't have to remember all this right now. You're going to need a pep talk sometimes, and that's okay. For now, remember this. You're awake. You're awesome. Live like it. (laughs) Did
0: you love it? (laughs) Uh. When, When you reflect on your own life and you think about the fact that there was a day when you came into the world with a lot of information you needed to know. And you've been living a long time, haven't you? So when when you reflect on your life, how do you feel about it? As a pastor, I have way too many conversations with people who say, I messed mine up. You messed what up? My life. Pastor Rick, there's been way too many failures in my life. Way too many mess-ups, way too many times I have fallen short, way too many times I have blown it. You know, for many years I've been asking this question, and I think the question helps us to eliminate the cloudiness. I think it helps us to eliminate the muddiness. I think it makes things really clear. I think it brings what I'm trying to say down to a very clear message this morning, and here's the question, okay? What's your greatest regret? If you have to think about it, you don't have one. And if you have one, it came to your mind immediately when I asked the question. It's the regret that towers over all other regrets. It's the regret that dwarfs everything else in your life. It's the failure of all failures for you. But today is not about regrets and it's not about failure. You know what today is about? It's about hope and it's about life and it's about second chances. It's about resurrection. It's about dying but living again. And so let me talk to you about the resurrection. Any of you watch the television show Resurrection? One of you have watched that show. <laughs> it's, this, uh, it's this television drama reality series that follows this group of residents in a small Missouri town whose lives are turned upside down when a loved one who has died returns from the dead. That would turn my life upside down if that happened. I think we're intrigued with the idea of resurrection, but I don't think anybody here really believes it's going to happen. And the reason I say that is because I think that's exactly where the New Testament believers were, those followers of Jesus who heard him teach and preach and heal. I I think they were intrigued with the idea of resurrection, but I don't think anybody believed it was going to happen because when it happened, everybody was surprised. And although every time Jesus talked about his death, you know what he talked about? He talked about living again. He always said it something like this I will be rejected and I will be killed, but on the third day, I will be raised to life. But when it actually happens, everybody is shocked. And so Mark tells the story like this, on the Sabbath, when it was over, that means sundown on Saturday. Okay, once the sun goes down, the Sabbath has ended. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, they go to buy some spices. They would have never dreamed of going and buying anything during the Sabbath, not when the sun was up. But when the sun goes down and it's over, they go buy some spices. Because early the next morning, they want to go anoint Jesus' body. And so very early the next morning, they head off to the tomb. And they're having this conversation as they're walking along with each other. So who is going to roll the stone away for us? And Mark gives us explanation by saying the stone was very large. It was a circular stone that these three women were assuming. There is no way we have the strength to roll the stone away on our own. But when they got to the tomb, they were surprised because the stone was already rolled away. And so, they enter the tomb. And sitting on the right side of the tomb, the grave where Jesus had laid, there is this man and he's dressed in white. And Matthew says, it was an angel. And he says, I know who you're looking for. Don't be afraid. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. You can look where he was laid, but you're not going to find him there. It's this incredible, incredible story of life. Some of you don't know who I'm going to talk about. You've never heard his name before because of your age. But in the 1970s, Christian television began to get its wings. And there was a guy who took advantage of that. His name was Jim Baker. Maybe you've never heard of him. Some of you maybe have. But he was a guy who really began to market Christian ministry and television. He preached this message of a prosperity gospel... It's a message I can't find in the Bible. But he said that God wanted everybody to be rich. And he drove around in Rolls Royces and he lived a very lush lifestyle. The only problem was he was selling property that didn't exist to people that probably didn't have the money to buy it. And he was just getting richer. And finally it all came down, crashing down one day when he was involved in this sex scandal. And then he ends up in prison. And so I remember picking up a magazine one day, a Christian magazine, and I was surprised to find an article written by him years later. And here's the story that he tells. My job in prison was cleaning bathrooms, and I remember one day he says, My hair disheveled wearing this orange jumpsuit, cleaning a commode, a toilet, because that was my job. And he says, a guard came and said, someone is here to see you. I wasn't expecting any visitors. I couldn't have imagined who it would have been. And I sure didn't feel like facing anybody in that moment anyway. I was was a mess. But when the electronic door opened, standing on the other side of the door, was the most notable and most respected preacher in America. Dr. Billy Graham... And he reaches his arms out to me. And I was ashamed and I was embarrassed. But I just stumbled over toward him. Laid my head into his chest and he put his arms around me. We talked for a while and then he prayed for me. And then before he left he told me he loved me. You want to talk about failures? I would say Jim Baker was a failure. You want to talk about a person who had blown it, he blew it. But grace and mercy and love comes walking into a prison. (laughs) And steps right up to Jim Baker and reaches out his arms and puts them around him. And so the angel says, you ready? The angel says, tell the disciples and tell Peter. Why did did he say tell Peter? Because this is another story of failure. You understand that the day that Jesus was arrested, he says to the disciples, all of you are going to turn away from me. And Simon Peter, he straightens his back and he says, no, even though everybody turn away from you, I will not turn away from you. And Jesus says, Peter, before the rooster crows, before morning, you will have denied me three times. And you know what Peter does? He straightens his back again and he says, I will die with you before I will deny you. And so Jesus is arrested. And Peter follows from a distance. And the crowds are angry. And the mobs are asking for blood. And somebody says to Peter, Hey, wait a minute. You're one of his followers. It's your accent. You're from Galilee. And Peter says, I, I don't know this guy. And a second time, somebody says, Surely you're with him. And he says, I don't know the man. And the third time, somebody says, Surely you are a follower of his. And Peter curses. And he says, I told you I don't know the man. And then he hears a rooster crow. I got a feeling if you find him the next day, he is sitting somewhere with his hands over his face. And if you said to him, Peter, what happened last night? He's going to say, I don't know what happened. I blew it. I messed up. I was scared. And so Jesus, because he's Jesus, is not focused on Peter's failure. He's focused on what Peter is going through. And the angel says, tell the disciples and make sure you tell Peter that I will meet him in Galilee. Don't you love that story? I read a story a few years ago about a guy who became fascinated with the fact that he had lived maybe two thirds of his life already. And so he began to think about the power that you have of just having a week in front of you. So you have a week in front of you right now. What are you going to do with this week? And he said, I I began to calculate if I lived an average lifespan, how many weeks do I have left? And then he said, I went to a, a toy store and I bought marbles. And I bought this glass jar and I put the marbles in the glass jar. And every Sunday I would get up and I would throw away a marble. And over the years I just watched the marbles go down. As I watched my life come closer to the end. And He said it changed the way that I made decisions and who I spent time with and how I handled the important stuff in life. So, I wasn't much on buying marbles, but I love chocolate. I'm nuts about chocolate. And so I bought, I bought some M&Ms. Where's Neely? You coming up, honey, to help me out? Okay, come on. Neely, run. <laughs> You're a doll. Is that your new Easter dress? It is beautiful. I love it. I love it. You want to hold this for me? How heavy is it? Too heavy? Give me set the stool. You want to set it on the stool? Would that be better? No. You okay to set it right there? All right. How, how old are you? Eight. You're eight? You're eight? And your full name is? Neely Page-Shirola. Neely I'm Ricky Wayne Harvey. It's nice to meet you. So, I did the math, and um, I've lived two-thirds of my life if I live an average life. The average lifespan for a man in America today is 78 years old. That's the average. Do you know what the average is for a lady? 82. And so I did the math and said I've lived two-thirds of my life. In fact, I've lived 52 and a half years three days ago. That was 52 and a half years. And so when I calculated how many weeks I have left, I started out with 4,056. I've got 1,326 left. It's kind of depressing. Yeah, I know. Just wanted to lift you up. It's Easter. You know, it's all about hope. (laughs) And so you understand that if every Sunday I eat an M&M, you know what's going to happen in a few years? These M&Ms are going to taste really chalky. That's what's going to happen. Actually, I'm just going to watch the level go down. And I'm going to watch the years pass. I would offer you an M&M, but that is all I've got left. you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm sorry. Some of you are saying, you shouldn't feel depressed, Pastor Rick. I could get all of my M&Ms in a medicine bottle. That wasn't a very loud laugh. (laughs) I talked with Angie Gasset the other day. Her husband, Jonathan, attends church every week. He's 98. I went to see Luna Watson. She had had a little fall the other day. She's 98. These people are above average, right? So when the guy wrote the article, he said, Today I threw away my last marble. And every week after this is a bonus. Would you like those M&M's? You can have them. Thank you for helping me this morning. Okay. So how many of you got left? How big is your jar? Look at me for a minute, will you? This is really important. Really important. With whatever it is that you have left, you cannot settle by saying... That I have blown it, and I have made a mess, and I have failed, and that's just the way it is. With whatever you have left, you have got to find life. Let, Let me tell you what I'm talking about. So one day, the same guy, Simon Peter, the same guy with his hands, his face rather than his hands, the same guy who blew it, the same guy who failed, the same guy who denies Jesus for heaven's sakes. I mean... How bad can it get? How much worse can you fail? One day, he says to about six other disciples, I'm going fishing. Do you know what he was really saying? I'm going back to life. It's over for me. I blew it. I messed up. It's done. I'm finished. I'll just go back to life because I remember a day when Jesus sees Simon Peter and his brother Andrew on a seashore. And you know what Jesus says? Follow me. I will make you fishers of men. And the Bible says they left their nets and they followed Jesus. Which means they left that life behind. And Simon Peter finally says, I don't know what else to do. I guess I'll go back to life. I blew it. I messed up. It's over for me. And so they fish all night and they don't catch anything. And the next morning there is somebody standing on the shore and he calls out, So have you caught any fish? (laughs) And they all look at the guy on the shore. And they yell back and they say, no, we fished all night. We haven't caught anything. And so he calls out again, hey, cast your nets on the other side of the boat. I'm not for sure why they did it, but they did it. And the Bible says that they brought in more fish than the nets could pull into the boat, 153. And John looks at the shore and he says, that is Jesus. Jesus. And so Simon Peter does something really weird in our minds. He puts his clothes on and he jumps in the water. And he swims to shore. And Jesus is cooking. He's cooking fish and he's cooking toast. Warming toast on the fire and cooking fish. And you know what he says to the disciples? You guys come on and bring some more fish. I've got your breakfast. Let's eat. And while they're eating breakfast, Jesus looks at this same disciple, the guy who failed just like you failed just like I have failed and he says Simon do you love me Lord you know I love you feed my lambs Simon do you love me Lord you know I love you take care of my sheep Simon do you love me he said he was hurt in his heart that Jesus would ask him a third time if I loved him but I said Lord you know all things I know what it looked like I know what I did I know I blew it I know I messed up but I love you well, then feed my sheep, Simon. And Simon Peter is raised to this new life. Even though he failed, he is raised to new life with Christ Jesus. All right, so here's the deal. I'm almost done here, okay? I preach. That's what I do every week. I preach. And when you preach, you always think about the end of the sermon. Because you've got to land this plane, right? Some of you were hoping I would have landed it a lot sooner. So how do you land it on a day like today? What do you say? What do you say? Have you failed? Well, just come to Jesus. You like that? Come to Jesus. Huge problem with that one. Peter didn't come to Jesus. Jesus came to Peter. I love that. And so here you are on Sunday morning, Easter. And you're saying, it's me. I blew it big time, I failed. I messed up. And who do we find among us? but Jesus and you know what he's saying you love me come on we got some sheep to feed and he just opens his arms and so I'm going to ask you to stand with me if I ask you to stand will you not leave okay then stand Nobody leaves. Y'all are not leaving, are you? No, okay. So this morning, if you're saying, hey, Rick, it's me, I'm the one, I failed. And I just feel like the Lord is very distant these days. I feel like I let him down, I feel like I blew it. It's hard to even pray. Sometimes it's hard to go to church. I'm sorry. Well, this morning, right here, Jesus has come to you. His arms are out and mercy and love and grace is walking up to you right now. And all you have to do is embrace it. So we're going to sing together in a moment. And if you want to come while the song is being sung and you want to pray, you're so welcome to do so. I, I know it's Easter, and on Easter we come to church together as family a lot. And so maybe really good things are going on in your family and you want to come as a family and just put your arms around each other and you want to pray together as a family, or maybe there's somebody in your family that you're concerned about and you want to pray for them, then you can just come as a family and pray for them. It may be that you need a physical healing in your life. So there'll be a pastor here and there'll be a pastor right here. And all you have to do is just walk up to them and say, would you pray for my healing? And they will anoint you and pray for your healing. Maybe that you're not a Christ follower. You're not a Christian. You don't know Jesus as your Savior and as your Lord. But you've got a glimpse of what that life looks like. And you want to be forgiven. And you understand it's not just about being forgiven, but it's about a changed heart. I mean, Jesus does something inside of you. Jesus changed you. It's about a changed life, and you want that changed life this morning. Come and say to one of the pastors, I want to become a Christian this morning. Maybe you're just going through a tough time, and you need an altar to pray at. It's a great place to pray. So listen to the powerful words of these songs, And if you want to come at any point, just come and kneel at the altar and find a place to pray. He's not mad at
2: you. He's not finished yet. His grace is greater still.
0: sound
2: of love hear the sound of love tells a different story pushing through
0: stay and we'll worship for a few moments and you're free to linger as long as you like or if you want to come and pray with someone you can so glad you worshiped with us today hope your Easter is great you have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene visit us online at bethanynaz.org.